Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Partly Political Broadcast, the comedy politics podcast that for 300 episodes has answered your call for weekly political satire, you know, by picking up the phone and shouting, no, wrong number, please don't call here again. I'm Tiernan Duyeb and this week as lettuce victim and woman who is a few sandwiches, a basket, cutlery drink, location and sunny day short of a picnic but would still insist she could have one, Liz Truss, as she popped her gurning face back into politics to declare her ship premiership was actually everyone else's fault. I agree. The fact is, Liz Truss is so monumentally thick, she shouldn't have been allowed to do anything by herself in the first place, so we should really point the finger at whoever was meant to be looking after her that day. It's like if a dog mauls another dog, you usually blame the owner first, don't you? Though I suppose at the same time, the dog is then probably put down rather than given a front page newspaper spread to say actually it only ate that chihuahua because of the left-wing economic establishment. Things always get better before they get worse, said someone who I bet had one of those panicked expressions and they were just one further worse thing away from drop kicking a cat into a hedge and going full falling down mode. Is that phrase true, or is it just that the worse things get, the lower the bar for them being better is? Like, if you fall down a cliff face, bouncing off the sharpest rocks, trees and errant goats on your way down, is it then almost a pleasant relief when at the bottom, crumpled like a sad meat accordion, a mountain lion very gently eats your leg? It's all relative, isn't it? Though in the UK right now, a mountain lion eating our legs, well, they'd be considered an economic migrant, clearly only here to sponge off all our tasty pins that we've worked very hard to underuse when it should just be eating the legs of the first country it came across. The IMF, as in the International Monetary Fund, and not sadly a tribute band honouring the legends that burned one million quid, though in a way I suppose they sort of are. Well, they've said that the UK is the only country in the G7 whose economy will shrink in 2023, which makes you wonder why we're still allowed in the club at all. But then, I suppose it's far more fun for the other six nations to have someone to look down on, you know, that makes them feel better about their shambolic situations. Sure, we're doing a live reenactment of The Handmaid's Tale, but ha, look at the stupid UK, they're really fucked. So, a shrinking economy, or as I've always liked to call it, an economy mini, as that makes the horror seem kind of cute. Maybe we can let the economy get so small we'll just pop it in our pockets and take it on holiday to where many government ministers and CEOs keep all their offshore taxes and we can bring some of it back as a souvenir. Instead of that brilliant and obviously actually possible idea, the Bank of England have raised interest rates again, meaning that we can all help the economy by affording things even less than before and that's how it works, right? As the teacher strike took place last week and the biggest NHS strikes take place this week, how do they not understand that it is unaffordable to give them more money to pay into the economy because of the state of the economy that doesn't have enough money coming into it? One person who definitely understands how to fix things is Liz Truss, who we might remember during her five minutes in office wasn't allowed to give her plans a proper go. And if we'd just given her another attempt after she completely bollocksed everything even more than it already was, then she'd have shown us that by cutting taxes for the very richest people so that they pay less into the economy, the economy that needs money paying into it would be thriving from not having even more money paid into it. Hmm. 
But as we all know, if you remember when she and her then-chancellor, quasi inspiration for the Among Us characters, Quarteng, was giving their pals a heads up to earn money by shorting the pound and then manipulating things to make them all even richer, they were endlessly thwarted by the left-wing economic establishment. Well, that's what Trust says, and she's right, you know, because I can't imagine anyone more left-wing than the IMF, the Bank of England, or all those bond traders who, whenever you look at them, they're just flinging money to the masses for a more equal society. It is disgusting, really, how they keep putting money into hedge funds, you know, so there can be more hedges everywhere and help deal with pollution, and then they put all that money in stocks, which I guess provides soup for homeless shelters. Oh, it's disgusting. Next thing you know, they'll be all woke and putting their money into Caribbean islands just to increase jobs there for retired accountants who would otherwise be out of work. That's how it works, yeah? It should be noted that Trust and Quateng's time as the shortest serving idiots or longest self-serving idiots at number 10 and 11 isn't the reason that we're the last ones to get picked on the G7, as that's now down to the financial policies of Chancellor and eyes like piss holes in the snow, Jeremy Hunt. But it still takes some guts, and by guts I mean she's using her shit for brains, for Liz Trust to decide now is the time to insist that actually it's not her fault she was so, so, so awful. And it's not really. It's the fault of the handful of people who ever decided she should be Prime Minister in the first place, or Foreign Secretary before that, or anywhere near politics at all, when to really utilise her skills, she should have always been employed as someone who checks, I don't know, if food is poisoned or as a crash test dummy. It's 55 Tufton Street, the supervillain HQ, full of all the best-funded, worst opinions, and if they're sending trust back out to wobble her head, it means they either genuinely think she's got a chance at the top spot again, which is slightly bonkers, but I suppose not that bonkers when it only seems that six people ever can vote for who the leader of the country actually is anymore, or it's because they want to distract us from how the Prime Minister, and what if Chuck from the Angry Birds was clinically dead, Rishi Sunak, is leading us on a path to becoming a pirate stronghold. You know, just with a lot less acceptance for people with disabilities. Look, our economy is shrinking worst in the G7, everyone's on strike and no one can afford to do anything. But can you remember when Liz Truss was there and she kept talking about how you can grow a pie? I mean, it's not that bad anymore, right? Business Secretary and Image on a Contrast Test that you're told you should barely be able to see, Grant Shapps, was wheeled out saying that Trust did not have the right approach to taxation. Which are big words from someone who's in the government while Shell record $40 billion in profits due to a lack of windfall tax or energy cap. That is Shell, who are so called because if you hold one of their petrol pumps up to your ears, you can hear the sea dying. And that is, of course, as we all know, due to the war in Ukraine, which gave Shell the inspiration and excuse for energy companies to charge loads more so they could live their best corporate planet destroying lives. They do say creativity emerges from the darkest of times, and it must have been quite the bright spark that went right out of the box and thought, wow, that Russia invasion gives me a great idea about how we can make things worse for people in the UK too. At least so, Shell are only being funded by ripping people off, rather than, you know, funded by union bosses, not like the Labour Party, who has pointed out by Trade Minister and someone face-swapped Jay from the in-betweeners with a decaying corpse, Greg Hands, who took to Twitter to say the opposition are still being backed by union money. Well done, Gregory Hansy. It is good for you to point out a real cowboy scam. I mean, when Russian oligarchs and oil companies back the Conservatives, they get heaps in return, proper value for money. And yet, what exactly are Labour giving back to the union? It is a total scam. And those democratically elected demagogues of union bosses who aren't bosses because they're elected. So sorry, union barons. No, wait, they're not given a peerage for brown envelope deals. Union uh, bastards. Yeah, well, they should really save the cash and use it somewhere. It might actually be worth it for them. The government are dealing with the unions in their own special, ineffective way, though, and voted through the anti-strike legislation in Parliament last week, which is a totally normal thing for a democracy to do. There is little that says freedom of speech, quite like telling workers that they aren't allowed a voice at all. The legislation means public sector workers will have to provide minimum service levels, or as it's known for government ministers, more effort than usual. The government aren't even attending negotiations with unions, so they should at least also have to provide minimum service levels and send, I don't know, one civil servant along, if only so they can get a breather from being bullied by the Justice Secretary and vulture cursed into a human Dominic Raab. Two birds, one stone. Negotiations would get back on and someone would dodge having a prep lopped at their face again. See, it's not hard, is it? Perhaps Greg Hans was just jealous of Labour having funding when donations to the Conservatives have dropped by 40%. Maybe he was just pointing it out, hoping for some inspo as to where his party could now go begging for cash. 
It's not looking great for the Conservatives and in particular Rishi Sunak right now. You know, as in as much as it can not look great for someone who'll never have to worry about ever having money ever again. His approval ratings are lower than the scores for empathy, warmth and presentation skills on his top Trump card, with even talk that the 1922 committee are thinking of changing rules so a new contender to the Lion Throne can step up if the local elections go wrong. Yes, another leadership contest. That is what we all need as a country. What happens when the Tories have given everyone in their party a go? Is that when we all get to enter too, or do they just kind of start all over again? I guess there's every chance we're now on a constant rotation system of Sunak, Truss or Pillsbury Dotwat Boris Johnson, who's also been popping up to do interviews with his top bootlicker and public safety warning against eating packs of silica gel, Nadine Dorries. During the interview on Talk TV, a station that appears to only be in place to give opportunities for anyone without any discernible skills to give presenting a go, Johnson told Dorries, or Nads as he kept appropriately calling her on account of her being bollocks 24-7, that he is learning to paint cows in his spare time. Of course he is. Of course he likes cows. They're just another thing he can milk dry without ever having to give anything back. The government spending watchdog are investigating why £2,200,000 of public money is being spent on Johnson's legal defence for the Partygate inquiry. Good, they should be. I think at the very least, if we're paying for it, we should be allowed to choose who defends him and insist his entire legal team are composed of all the women he got pregnant and then ignored. So Sunak is trying very hard to boost his profile, meaning as ever he's full of original ideas. So he's gone for making the benefit system even crueler and threatening to leave the European Court of Human Rights unless they let the government be even nastier to refugees. Do you know what's really holding back our economy? That's right, human rights and the Good Friday Agreement. And by leaving the ECHR, we will be booming as part of um, the slave trade and whatever you get out of a civil war. Probably more profits for Shell or something. I'm sure Sunak will have the public right back on side when he tells them that the main thing that will help with hospital waiting lists, high heating bills and the economy is you having an even worse life and everyone pretending Northern Ireland doesn't exist. Perhaps the key is for striking workers and indeed everyone else to operate now with conservative tactics. You know, hey, we all need more money due to the war in Ukraine and the only thing stopping us is the left wing right wing government. I think you'll find we would all be Prime Minister and billionaires if it wasn't everyone else's fault that we're not, and we're going to remove the cap on our own pay due to increased demand. I mean, it's worth a try, right? And lastly, Labour MP and shower accessory Kim Johnson was penalised by her party and forced to apologise after referring to the current Israeli government as fascist when asking a question about them at PMQs. This is the very right-wing coalition headed up by returning Prime Minister and silly putty face Benjamin Netanyahu, who's currently still on trial for bribery and corruption charges, which are always the qualities that you might look for in a leader. His government has now been called a fascist by various Israeli officials, the UN Special Rapporteur, thousands of protesting Israelis, and in fact the new finance minister who says that's what he calls himself. But, I mean, I understand why Kim Johnson wasn't allowed to say it in Parliament, because I guess if Labour are against allowing self-IDing, it has to stick across the board, right? <laughs> funny thing about describing our current prime minister um is it seems over the uh, not many years that he's been in frontline politics uh, i've mostly described him as a, a number of characters from sort of cartoon films which is odd isn't it because he's one of the least animated people alive and often those cartoon films are both really fun and um you know fun for children, whereas uh, Rishi Sunak's premiership has been anything but those things. Anyway, here are all the descriptions of our unfortunately current Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak. Rishi Sunak is a man who looks like he's modelled his entire life on looking like a stock photo of someone who just passed their BTEC. Rishi Sunak, who looks like BFG the young and in the city years. Rishi, always grinning like he's been allowed outside for the first time, Sunak. He's a pipe cleaner on drugs. He's a gormless cheese string. He's Banzai from The Lion King. Ooh, Donkey from Shrek's used hair mousse. He's Stickman from the children's book Stickman. He's Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast, but when he's somewhere between candle and human form. Rishi Sunak is the star of Pixar's Ratatouille. Yes, both the rat and the chef. He's Crash Bandicoot. Rishi, I wore a suit in my sixth form, Sunak. He's a natural-born estate agent. He's a man with all the depth of personality that you'd find in a broken Tupperware set. He's pinky without the brain. He's a constant game of is it a smile or is he in severe pain? Rishi Sunak is a compare the market mascot. He's the star of Flushed Away. 
He's an animated nose bag. He's a poor attempt at a toilet roll puppet. He's an animated door handle. What if someone drew some eyes above a hammock? Why does the cat look so pleased to have licked its own ass? Rishi, I definitely took a briefcase to school instead of a lunchbox. He's a man who in another life would definitely have run one of those phone shops that sold toilet paper for £20 a roll in the first lockdown. Rishi Sunak is the sort of person who'd buy Instagram followers. He's a Marks and Spencer Fonz. He's Smitty from Dumbo. I bet he always played the barn animals in the nativity. He's what if Jar Jar Binks was a Sith Lord. He's an animated corn cob. Rishi Sunak is Mr. Mean from the Mr. Men. He's a Jar Jar Binks Pez dispenser. He's number block number four. He's a spring onion, a grinning binder clip, a smug talking sports bag. He's a man with all the awareness of a blindfolded pheasant on a motorway. He's a rejected Aardman creation. He's a brief character in Return of the Jedi, Yak Face. He's the world's most dull amphoravars. He's a smile model for the Venom films. He's a children's pipe cleaner model project. He's a pair of scissors cutting a toilet roll. Rishi Sunak is not Yeti. I don't know what that means. What is that one? Why did I put that? He's a child perpetually on a school trip. He's a failed origami creation. He's a man who always radiates big, sick energy. He's a man who thinks compassion means to have sex with a laptop. Rishi Sunak is a man who appears to forever be in the wrong aspect ratio. He's a gormless radiator key. He's half man, half YouTube advert for a Ponzi scheme. He's a man who definitely still laughs at the Compare the Meerkat adverts. I've used that reference twice. It's very lazy. Rishi Sunak, who in his previous job sat on top of a young chef's hat and puppeteered his cooking. Again, I used that one before. You can tell the weeks I ran out of ideas, can't you? Rishi Sunak is a man who still has a reward star chart on the wall at home for when he brushes his teeth properly. Rishi Sunak is a Sail Marais Star Wars cosplayer, which is actually a different way of saying one of the ones I said earlier about Yak Face. But hey, I like to think that Rishi Sunak is a big Star Wars fan, apparently, which probably means that he heard about it once or saw a poster and still has no idea what it is. But anyway, if he does know Star Wars, then that one will really hurt. Rishi Sunak is as if someone stuck eyes to a pair of scissors. He's how AI might render a toothbrush getting ready for school. Rishi Sunak is the star of the Ice Age films. Rishi, my idol is Batman, but if he didn't do any of the saving people bit, Sunak. He's a man who's so rich his sense of empathy and morals are stored offshore, possibly off planet. He's what if the crescent moon was overconfident. He's a background extra for Big Mouth. He's a llama with a tailor. He's what if Richie Rich was an incel. Rishi Sunak, the millionaire short-ass frowny. I changed that from brownie to frowny because I suddenly thought, does brownie have racist connotation? I wouldn't want that. But anyway, you get what I mean. Rishi Sunak is the boy who puts his hand up to read everything in class, even though no one else wants him to. He's a try-hard cheese string. He's a man who looks like someone made a face out of numbers. He's a man who likely thinks Father Christmas gives toys to too many children. Rishi Sunak is the reverse Neo from The Matrix because he sees everything in numbers but does absolutely shit all with any of them. He's a grim reboot of Mr. Rush from The Mr. Men. So that's earlier I called him Mr. Mean, but he's also like a reboot of Mr. Rush who may well be what Mr. Mean is, but we'll never really know because they haven't got into that kind of backstory. Rishi Sunak is the world's saddest bottle opener. Papa Brosi Crits Secrets of the podcast. Ooh. I burp pretty much every episode while recording it uh, from talking too fast. And I was going to put together a group of um, clips of all the burps, but then I realised no, no one wants that. No one. No one wants that. And let's face it, if you're a fan of the expulsion of excess air, you could just watch footage of the House of Commons. Still got it, everyone. I still got it. Oh, well, that's it, everybody. Um, I know, I know you're devastated to hear it's all over, especially when an overwhelming majority of the public voted for this podcast to happen. Uh, of course, the left-wing media, the left-wing economic system, the left-wing right-wingers, football players who play on the left wing, the left-wing left-wings of birds, people who stand on the left side of escalators, road signs that say look left, and those meddling kids that stop me getting away with it will all tell you such a vote never happened, and I do this podcast of my own accord. But that is the sort of drivel we have come to expect from those who actually check facts. 
Never forget the achievements this podcast has managed. All those jokes that only lasted five minutes before the news cycle rendered them useless, uh, the countless failed requests to get people to join the Patreon, and, of course, that 70% of the population got the vaccine within six months, which is nothing to do with this show, but they might not have done it if they'd got distracted by listening to this podcast instead of booking in their appointment, and so the heady combination of far too fast talking, swearing, oft inability to book guests, and a terrible lack of PR put them off and therefore definitely save their lives. British politics will continue to be an absolute shitstorm of fuckfestery, but because of this podcast, listeners to it will be even more depressed knowing just how shitstorm of fuckfestery it all is. And as I leave office, or at least my desk in my room that I call an office, let it be known that we, I mean, I, definitely me, have delivered 300 episodes, 7,000 plus minutes of hastily written supposed jokes, thousands, nay, probably millions of calling the twice disgraced MP Liam the disgraced Fox a disgrace, countless poorly recorded pops when I said words with P in them, umpteen terribly recorded interviews, two pairs of headphones and 40 new hospitals. Yes, I have yes really no they are out there yes if you can't see them it is your problem and of course millions of people inspired uh, to get out there and do something for their community as it means they have an excuse not to listen to this show again i am now like one of those whoopee cushions that's all farted out uh, my purpose fulfilled but like uh tarquin priscus who i have quickly googled to sound clever um who was the ancient roman creator of the sewer system i too can retire knowing i have tried my best to filter out a lot of shit this is a tough time for Britain, for families, for children, for, for old people, for dogs, for spiders, because you know it's cold, they don't like the cold, and for people called Wayne, but I believe we will get through it. Well, except all of us that won't, and Wayne. But it's time for us to get behind other, lesser, not as interesting podcasts and see if we can listen to them for longer than it takes for a lettuce to go off. And after then, I'll come back sniffing around and asking for Patreon donations to help me go on holiday, even though I'll have done nothing to deserve it. Thank you all for being here, for listening and for supporting my ego during the moments when it was marginally smaller than a hot air balloon. But mostly, thank me, because, well, I've been brilliant, and I'm sure they'll just stop all the podcasts after I've gone, as really, what is the point? As they said in Latin, vomo vermeer, to spew forth, and so I will. Thank you all very, very much. And now for a statement from my agent. My client is stupid. I need another one to get me money right now. Podcasts are a waste of time. My new client is going to be Strawberry Queen. And I want to go to bed later. Yeah, so uh, anyway, I'm looking for a new agent. If you know of anyone, good. Papa Bro Secrets Secrets of the Podcast I have never finished the books of anyone I interviewed uh, not even the ones I really enjoyed one of them I only read the chapter titles for and the guests thanked me for having read it all and uh, still feel guilty ish, sort of not much Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, you. Uh, this is the final episode of Parpol Bro, uh, for now, at least, or possibly forever. Who is to say? Uh, well, me, probably. It's my podcast, isn't it? I'm sure that's how it works um well it's weird it's very weird doing this is the last little admin bit it's been a, a 300 episode long ride and i couldn't be more grateful that you all listened and supported and donated and reviewed even even that one man that gave it one star and said bit sad another mr angry about brexit disguised as comedy a comment that i think has aged really well and still makes me smile thanks paddy goes to hollyhead um but a real thanks to all of you who've sent me lovely lovely messages about the show ending and uh, I am all a bit sad I've decided to end it, but it also feels like it's the right time, even though ideally the right time would have been as the entire British political system collapsed and was replaced with an actually altruistic one made up of normal people who weren't psychopaths or dickheads. But um, as that's unlikely to happen for possibly hundreds of years, I thought it at least best uh, you know, that we finish it before we get through another six prime ministers this year and I have a nervous breakdown. Um, I know I said this last week, but again, look, thank you. I, I, I can't say it enough. I'm so grateful to all of you um, who donated and at times actually helped me survive rather than, you know, just help me fill up my coffee and crisp supply. Um, I'm going to be closing the Patreon down later this week. So if you've never seen the now quite old video that's up there, do head over to patreon.com forward slash bro just to sneak a peek before it goes. Don't join it. That would be pointless. Um, but do have a look. Um, and I will also keep the ko-fi.com forward slash bro site up. Um, but I may change its name in a few weeks to just my name, as that would make more sense, wouldn't it? Or maybe I should change it to like ko-fi.com forward slash conservative party and see if I get loads of donations from billionaires and laundered money. Might be worth a go. Uh, you never know. And of course, a mega thank you, mega thank you, of course, to those of you who tweeted, Facebook, chat about this in your local park to let more people know that every week they can hear a man scream through jokes into their ears. Some of you did it uh, consistently every week um, and uh, I'm not going to name you all, but I am forever grateful so thank you um this has mostly been a one horse show because uh, living in a flat we can't have several horses and i don't get expenses to heat mine with um sorry i mean it's mostly all been me uh 300 odd episodes of writing researching sometimes quite badly um editing and trying to let anyone know it exists but um i've also been very very greatly helped firstly uh, by my brother corin uh, aka the last skeptic whose beats he's allowed me to steal for years um and if you've enjoyed any of the music on this podcast there is a 99.9 percent chance it's his so do check out his tunes and stream them if you can um his stuff is everywhere and he's currently doing uh, the beats for all of uh, rihanna's uh, fenty uh, adverts that are on social media um so do go and, and support him too um huge thank you as well to cat day who has tirelessly tirelessly typed up the linear liner notes um for every episode since the early ones meaning that up at partlypoliticalbroadcast.co.uk you can find all the recommendations that guests have made in the interviews and I think it's ended up being a pretty good resource um, that I, I feel very proud of it. And I'm so very grateful to Kat for taking time out of her own life to do that every week. She didn't need to. And it's been wonderful that she has. Um, so as well as reading also my panic DMs about not having guests or whatever else I've bugged her with <laughs> or her opinions on uh, over the years. Um, Kat is on Twitter at Chronicle Flask and also contributes to the brilliant and spooky Suedo pod. Uh, I've mispronounced that on purpose. Ha 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 pseudopod um, I've, I, I've regularly I've got a problem with the word pseudo I've, I keep thinking it's suedo persuado 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 anyway um, pseudopod uh, do go and support and listen to that too um, and all the art for this podcast uh, obviously was, was done by my pal and now very sadly gone uh, Mushy Beats aka Katie Coxall who passed away in May of 2021 because cancer is a piece of shit and uh, she is still very very much missed but I've just that the artwork was so perfect uh, which made it for me I've, I've never even thought about updating it in all the years of doing this podcast because it just works so well 
Um, also, I feel I should probably thank my other half, um, who is, uh, I won't say her name, L or at Pro Resting. She is on everywhere and she started a new Substack. She has often been subjected to me reading the monologues to her before recording them just to check that um, they're not too awful and that there are actually jokes in there. So um, th- thanks to her for the patience and having to deal with several private stand-up performances that she probably didn't want. Um, and of course, thanks to everyone who let me interview them uh, about their cause, expertise, knowledge and opinion, despite the fact I am not some big news outlet. I'm just a very silly, beardy man. I feel I've selfishly learned an absolute ton from those chats, even if sometimes it was just more stuff to be even more miserable about. But I mean... You know, it's one of those things, I know I put this out for all you to listen to, but I I mostly feel very lucky that I just interviewed people I was really interested in talking to, all except one. There's still one that I think about that, God, I wish that hadn't happened. But hey, it's all right. Everyone else was fantastic. Um, is that it? It might be it. Do you know all the transcripts of all my bits are online, right, with spelling errors and everything? If you ever want to see the scripts of these shows, not the interviews, um, one day I might do that. But currently all my bits are at partlypoliticalbroadcast.co.uk if you just check on any of the podcast episodes uh, and want to remember how badly written some of it was. Don't look at the first, like, 70 episodes. They are terrible. Um, I've also got my own mailing list, which you can find at my website, tnndm.co.uk, um, and I forget to send it out much, but I do when stuff is happening, so I'll definitely be popping on there, whatever I end up doing next, if you like to keep up with that um and look remember to support the arts brush your teeth for two minutes and turn the lights out before you go and you know don't be a dickhead don't vote tory and give me a shout when you know the time and place the revolution will start well unless it's raining obviously now um have a bit of this before you pop off Ah, the leader of the opposition, one of the most boring men alive. And as you'll hear in all my many, many descriptions of Keir Starmer, um, they are quite unimaginative, which I suppose uh, suits him, uh, really, and uh, the ways he is. Uh, I've decided to put all these descriptions of Keir Starmer um, to, uh, well, some of the most boring background noises I could think of to really kind of um, emulate him. Here are all the partly political broadcast descriptions of the Labour leader, Keir Starmer. Keir Starmer is a sad Max Headroom. He's the only man to survive being bitten by a radioactive hush puppy. He's the first uninteresting default character on most PlayStation shoot-em-ups. He's a bad computer drawing of Gordon Ramsay. He's a grown-up flat Stanley. Keir Starmer is what if they redesigned Gordon Ramsay using a ruler. He's a face drawn on a car spoiler. He's a stylized webtoon. He's a Minecraft creation. He's a Jenga block with a face. Keir Starmer is what if the shape of water found hair gel. He's a smart cheese string, which is sort of one that I sort of used for Rishi Sunak. So, uh, again, I mean, a lot of a lot of politicians look like cheese strings. That's not, I can't really do anything about that, but maybe there's something in that. Keir Starmer is what if Beavis and Butthead had a kid. He's a cartoon train whistle. He's personified sinus problems. He's a wind-blasted celery stick. He's a blank canvas of a man. I mean, it's not really a description, just sort of, not really imaginative, that one, is it? It's very obvious. He's a skiffle board. Keir Starmer is a knee pad. Keir Starmer is part air conditioning unit. He's a flesh lord buckethead. He's a tower fan, a boast stand. He's a metal loo roll holder with a cover. He's what if someone shoved a hairdryer on full blast into a cockatoo's face? I mean, really, look that up. It's quite uncanny. Keir, actually, my hair is the first wave, Starmer. He's the love child of spare plane parts and a rejected Eurovision singer. He's the personification of a reunion tour no one asked for. He's a sad paintbrush. Keir Starmer is a dad in a 90s CITV sitcom. He's a man that always looks like he's being attacked from above. He's forehead worry lines, but for a whole face. Keir Starmer is a Dick Tracy baddie. He's what if SpongeBob SquarePants was made of reconstituted meat. He's a talking luge track. He's a shoehorn with a face. He's a squarehead protractor. He's a monolith no one could care less about. He's an ice scoop, a sledhead, an air vent, a 1970s sci-fi robot without the lovable personality. He's a patio heater. Keir Starmer is an unused Nespresso machine. Now, here, as we get into the next set, are a bunch of uh, objects that I thought he looked like. That I mean, Google any of them and you'll see the resemblance is uncanny. Keir Starmer is a canopy cooker hood extractor fan. He's a ventilation shaft. He's a Xerox Magnifax telecopier. He's a commercial upright stainless steel refrigerator, single door ventilated cooling, a DEXA SR600. 
Keir Starmer is a Dell Optiplex 990 PC Intel Core. He's a practical ASR33 teleprinter Telex terminal. He's an AF70 automatic binding punching perforator machine. Keir Starmer is a Panasonic Laundroid, a Philips One Blade for face trimming, edging and shaving, QP2520. He's a Motorola Dyna TAC 8000X. He's an English Electric Standard model washing machine. He's a BT Commercial Pager 34D. Keir Starmer is an Acorn Archimedes 400 to 1 series. He's a dysfunctional Telex machine. He's a Sturflow STF1 3 speed oscillating tower fan. He's an industrial storage locker unit. And now I get slightly more imaginative again. Keir Starmer is what if they made Metal Mickey without any character traits? He's a man with all the use of the text at the end of an instruction manual for a filofax. He's a sad fart into a strong gale. He's the sound of nothing. He's the embodiment of the feeling you get when you're asked to sign for someone else's package because they aren't in. Keir Starmer is the sound of an aircon that you only notice when someone points it out and then it's really annoying. He's like if someone photoshopped a slap cheek onto a hedgehog. He's got a plectrum for a face. He's what drying paint uses as an analogy for when something is dull. He's a man entirely composed of unnecessary packaging. He's what if someone put a mute on Beaker from The Muppets, which is really unfair to The Muppets and I should really retract that one. Keir Starmer is an advert for Beckonese. He's a man whose voice sounds like when there's a problem with a printer. He's the embodiment of the feeling you get when you realise you've put a piece of flat-pack furniture in the wrong way and you have to start all over again. Keir Starmer is a man with all the impact of a piss dribble on a forest fire. He's a man who creates all the public enthusiasm of a notice board outside a park. He's Hokusai woodblock print of the wave, but with an arse cheek wedged under it. He's a walking allergic reaction. Keir Starmer is Henry Hoover's unpopular cousin. He's that noise a car makes when it needs repairs, but personified. He's dry-brushed electrical cabinet. He's a man so boring, the fact that he's alive questions theories about existence. Keir Starmer is a man who appears to be entirely pleated trousers. He's a man who looks like he's made of strawberry refresher bars pushed into a suit. He's a tiki torch that smells of corridors. He's a man who people turn the lights out on if he's still in the office when they leave. He's a man who definitely thinks spicy food is anything with black pepper on it. He's what if Wes Streeting had liver mortis. He's the physical embodiment of bumping into your least favourite person at work in the supermarket and they insist on talking to you. Keir Starmer is like if someone put their face through the hole in a massage table and it got stuck and they just had to wear it forever. He's the artist's impression of the silence you get when on hold and they haven't bothered playing any music. Keir Starmer is the man who tells his children that neither naughty or nice are correct and maybe they should just sit still and hope Father Christmas doesn't notice them at all. He's the personification of that mild disappointment you feel when you know you've stepped in dog shit. Keir Starmer is SpongeBob Squareface. He's a worried brick. Papa Bro Secrets. I still don't understand the economy at all. People often say, Tiernan, in your seven years of hosting and writing an almost weekly show, except when you couldn't be bothered, what have you learned? Well, actually, no one's asked me that because it's quite a contrived question, and I don't think anyone's that bothered. But as I've now just pretended someone has, here's a few nuggets of wisdom, rather than, you know, chicken or poo types, that this show has given me over a lifetime of Mondays. Um, that's a lifetime if you're only seven years old. In which case, this podcast probably wasn't for you. It's full of swears. Who was letting you listen to that? That is really awful. Anyway, I've tried to uh, make this not sanctimonious, but it's probably still a bit sanctimonious. There are political solutions to most of the worst issues we have, even though some of them, like, for example, climate change, the solution means that we'll have to change a lot, not use cars and very rich people not to be rich anymore. So obviously, you know, not everyone's into that. But generally, it does seem more and more like the main obstacle to fixing the worst issues and living in any sort of reasonable place is just because the people making the decisions are the absolute fucking worst and don't want to improve anything except their already extensive bank accounts. When politicians say it's not that simple, it is. And it could be. And I've had loads of people on the show who've explained it and broken it down and made you realise how simple it is. But um, those politicians don't want it to be. And then they make it really complicated with absolutely shit policies, never answering any questions properly, refusing to acknowledge people's individual needs and using a whole ton of language that no one else understands and often sounds wanky. If there was a written constitution that said you have to write every policy so that kids could understand it, I reckon half of political policy wouldn't exist. As you know, they wouldn't want to write down nurses can't have any money because I need it to heat my horses. 
I used to joke that I'm a humanitarian, uh, which uh, means I only eat other people. But actually, I think uh, it is what I am. And, and more and more, I'm not even sure I believe in the ideas of left and right wing. But I realise that sounds very highfalutin. And of course, there's definitely really awful right wing lunatics out there and definitely left wing and right wing policy. But I mean, some of it's just basic human decency and care for other people on the planet. And by pretending that's a political stance, it just gives wankers an out to be inhumane and pretend you're weird for, I don't know, thinking kids should have food. And then even saying that makes me think, is that an awful kind of sanctimonious thing to think? Because dickheads say, oh, two cool lefties wanting to make sure kids don't die. But it's not, is it? It's just not being an absolutely abhorrent human being. Political drama is absolute nonsense and rarely what the real issues and especially solutions are. But I think it's also kind of important to take note of just to help us see what kind of psychopaths are in charge at any one time. I mean, is Liz Truss's return remotely important? Well, no, not really. But knowing that the people who've driven all the big political decisions since 2010 keep backing a woman whose spirit animal is a headless chicken makes you know for sure they are terrible people and things are bad. It is time-consuming, but it's not difficult to look things up properly before you react to them or take them as given. Um, the news is currently bullshit, most of it. There's obviously still some good bits and some very good journalists out there. But I think a majority of guests for this show all kept saying you should read across the news to get an idea of what the story is. Um, and they mean obviously read across, but don't don't bother with the mail or the telegraph. Uh, wank, isn't it? Or the sun. Yeah, sort of across the news. Don't watch talk TV. Anyway... What I'm saying is you have to kind of read across things to really understand what is happening. Um, alternatively, go outside, talk to actual humans, as most of them aren't as bonkers as social media and news voxpots will have you believe. Um, and in fact, as, as we've learned from guests on the show, uh, some of them aren't even real. Um, and, and some of them are bonkers uh, and real. But hey, look, it happens. Or you could just not talk to anyone ever and ignore all the news. And that will probably make you happiest. But, you know, it's tricky. It is impossible to remove an echo from a recording of someone if they didn't use headphones when you interviewed them. I did not record as many people living in secret underwater caves as it may have sounded. Academics are the worst at remembering to have headphones. I think it's good to hope for better. Uh, I hope I've sort of expressed that in this podcast, even though often the intros have been quite miserable and I've probably sounded quite miserable. Um, I don't think any political party in the UK gives me any hope right now um, at all. Uh, none of them do. I don't think they're, any of them are saying anything that remotely... Uh, it's not even... I'm, obviously appeals to me, but, but I think will improve what needs to be improved or stand up for the people that that need to be stood up for but strikes people's movements as in campaigns not their poos and the general will and outlook um that understands the need for change um you know that that gives me hope i think w will it be enough people that have been enough uh, in the past and uh, you know you look at the countries that have changed through revolution um, I don't know I don't know if it will happen here but there are a whole lot of people doing good things and I think what I've learned from this show is that it's very easy to be one of them um, or if you have zero time in your life it's very easy to support them um, and if you have no funds there are other ways to support them They're just sharing their stuff uh, promoting what they do or I don't know thinking nicely about them before you go to bed and I hope some of that wisdom is helpful to you, but largely you'll probably go, yeah, no, what a waste of time. And you're very welcome. Papa Bro Secrets. There's one piece of music on one episode that I should have paid a license for and I didn't. And no one seems to have noticed. Phew. The first politician I ever did a description for on Partly Political, which I think was uh, episode 20-something, I wrote it down and I lost it. it you know, hey, uh, it was somewhere early on, uh, was Michael Gove. Um, now, I've often thought, uh, I'm not really someone, as you know from this podcast, or if you've ever seen any of my comedy, I don't really like making fun of people's uh, appearances. But Michael Gove is such an ugly human being uh, inside um, and, and outside. I mean, he just looks like... He's been repeatedly punched. And I always sort of think that reflects the fact that he's a backstabbing, conniving, piece of shit, absolute horrible cunt. And uh, so I've really enjoyed describing him as some of the most awful things I could think of. Um, and during this list, which I I'm, was quite impressed with how imaginative I got, see if you can spot the one that absolutely made me laugh a lot. And so is the last set of descriptions on this show. Here are every possible partly political broadcast term that I've ever written for Michael Gove. 
Michael Gove is a possessed ventriloquist dummy. He's a stunt double for Annabelle. He's what happens when grubs only half hatch. He's a living shrunken head. He's Jigsaw's stunt double. He's the worst creature in Jabba's palace. He's a bee stung protruding colon. He's a balloon attached to a bin bag. Michael Gove is the only person whose image remains unchanged in a funfair hall of mirrors. He's a less friendly piranha. He's a wattle face. He's an acid-damaged Pez dispenser. That's about the fifth time Pez dispensers have come up in these descriptions. I can't help but think they played a pivotal role in my youth. Michael Gove is a flesh sponge. He's an entirely undeadly puffer fish. He's a blowtorch melted cheaper tube. He's a face drawn on a bullhorn. Michael Gove is a bee stung nipple. He's a flesh cauliflower. He's a pummeled elbow. He's what if Chucky from Rugrats was neglected as a child. Michael Gove is the puppet they take to school to warn kids about not speaking to strangers. He would make the best caretaker prime minister, but only because it looks like he's wearing a rubber mask and would run around upsetting kids. Michael, Larry the cat wouldn't stop hissing at him because animals can sense evil Gove. He's a prosthetic anus. Michael Gove is the owner of a face made of giblets. He's a billy ham. He's a brutalised sea cucumber. He's the composite of a pomegranate, a melted sex toy and every cast member of Grange Hill. Michael Gove is a bloated sea monkey. Michael, oh God, what's that in the back of the fridge and how long has that been there? Gove. He's an upside down fertiliser rodent, which I think is a reference to the Stranger Things, probably season two, where there's all the rodents that are from the upside down that go all a bit mad. Anyway, Michael Gove is skin stretched over a Dairyly Lunchables pack. He's a floor drag kebab. He's a Slitheen tribute act, one for the Doctor Who fans. He's an old dog's dinner for a face. Michael Gove is Annabelle, but hit by a truck. Bit of sort of elaboration on the earlier one there. Michael Gove is a sea urchin in glasses. He's a meat bagpipe. He looks like a bomb exploded at Madame Two Swords. He's a congealed cup of soup for a face. He's an artist's interpretation of what COVID-19 would look like if it were an arsehole. Michael Gove is a shoe scraping, a collapsed pudding. He's a man whose very own face was only created in an attempt to ward off spirits. Michael Gove is an accident involving a giant cyst and a treadmill. He's a deflated pig's bladder. He's a testicle ulcer. He's one of those ghost faces that you might see in a doctored photo that will haunt your mind forever. He's medical waste in a suit. Michael Gove is porridge that you've eaten, but then spat back out into the bowl. Michael Gove is the inspiration for the 2004 horror film Creep. He's a human pothole. He's recently removed from the side of a ship. Michael Gove was recently removed from the side of a ship. He's prebiotic soup. Michael, oh God, what did the cat eat to throw that up? Gove. He's a dog-chewed candle. Michael Gove is used to ward away spirits, good and evil. Sort of repeat of the early one, slightly different wording. Michael Gove is a stunt cadaver. Michael Gove is 6 out of 10 of the pictures Google brings up if you type unusual rash. He's a walking teratoma. He's a bespectacled sea cucumber. He's a horror reimagining of the Looney Tunes bookworm. That is, I'm really proud of that one. Michael Gove is a rubber chicken left out in the sun. He's dregs from Ray Harryhausen's reject bin. He's a preserved wet specimen. He's a face made of eggs. Michael Gove is what happens if you squish all the mini baby bell wrappers together and then leave it in the sun. He's a sealant gun accident. He's the creature inside that guy's head in Men in Black. Michael Gove, oh, someone used a plunger on a bowl of frog spawn. He's a sea jelly. Wow, you really fucked up that omelette. Michael Gove has a face that could launch a thousand shits. Yeah, it's that one. It's that one that still makes me laugh. Michael Gove is dropped fruit. He's the last item at the fishmongers. Michael Gove is when you chew your food and put it on your tongue and make someone look at it, but for a face. He's a man that appears like he was haphazardly constructed using pipe cleaners and discarded custard skin. He's a regurgitated pie. He's a recently removed skin tag. He's a drop dog's dinner. Michael Gove with his face like he forgot to wear a hazmat suit and checked on the reactor. Michael Gove is, I'm sorry I ran over your cat, but for a face. Michael Gove is the last turkey in the shop. Papa bro secrets. Secrets of the podcast. One guest asked if this was Matt Ford's podcast when they joined the Zoom call and I nearly hung up on them without doing the interview. (laughs) 
and that is it. You know, all of it. Uh, forever, probably, or at least a, a long while. Um, think of me as your Tuesdays or whatever further day of the week you tuned in as the joke suffered decreasing topicality. Um, think of me as those days suddenly now become brighter and less full of general despair disguised with rushed jokes. Me? Well, I'll be around, you know, so do say hey. No, actually don't, that would creep me out and it would mean you knew where I lived. But until I pop up again, or this podcast does, or both, or neither, then all the big love and thanks again to Cat Day, my bro in the real life, the last sceptic, the late great and much missed Mushy Bees, and a sort of, well, I suppose I have to, thanks to Acast. This won't be back next week, but there's every chance by then. Liz Truss will announce she's going to be Prime Minister again, as the only thing that's stopping her is the left-wing Conservative Party as she storms into number 10 in a tank. Bye! This week's podcast was sponsored by... No one, because fuck capitalism. Well, except trainers. I really love trainers. But you know, like, in an ethical way. Ah, oh, this is... It's hard, isn't it? Hard. Been a bloody pleasure. Mwah. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.